0: All right, good to see everybody. You guys doing all right today? Glad to be in church? Okay. All right, I'm gonna try that again just so, uh, just so you can hear the question. You guys excited to be in the house of God with the body of Christ this morning? Come on now. Woo! All right, well, I'm glad, I'm glad. I spilled my water up here on all this electrical equipment. So if I get electrocuted, it wasn't the power of God, I'm clumsy. So I just wanna let you know about that. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. As Ricky mentioned, uh, you guys thankful for our student ministries, the leadership we have around our student ministries. I'm so thankful for those guys. Ricky and Haley do an awesome job. They've got a great team. We're going to be talking about life groups, small groups, life groups, and uh, some of y'all are like, what in the world is that? Well, I want to tell you about it. Um, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about finding your place, uh, more specifically, We've been talking about finding yourself or finding your place at the table, using that as an analogy of all of us finding our place at the table of God, where we're sitting with him, where we've found our spot in his presence. We found our sweet spot of where we serve him, where we live out the life that he's called us to do. Well, life groups, our serve groups and life groups, are one of the most practical and important ways that you, as a person who would be considering to be a part of this body of believers, can find your place, can find your place at the table of what God has for you in, his, in your life. In our Connect classes, if you haven't gone through those, I'd encourage you to do that. We're, we're going to be starting those back up again next week. But one of the things we talk about in our Connect classes are the basic principles of discipleship. Like, what does it look like? Because here's the thing. When you become a Christ follower, the journey starts there. And and for the rest of your life, what you are are being molded and shaped into, or this is God's will for you, is that you become one of his disciples. That's, That's the process that all of us want to find ourselves in. How do I become a disciple? The root word of disciple is the word discipline. A lot of us, we don't like that word. And, uh, and a lot of us, all the cheating we've already done on all our New Year's resolutions is because we didn't have that word around one of those resolutions. But it means that as a disciple, you've gotta develop these routines, these things that you're committed to, that your heart is sold out on, that you do day in and day out, week in and week out, year in and year out, as you are shaped and transformed into the likeness of Christ. And so we talk about these basic principles now, discipleship, and there are things like prayer, okay, just talking to God, conversation with God. There are things like reading his word and understanding his word and how it applies to you on a personal level. There are things like worship, things like relationships. All of those things take an amount of dedication, discipline, effort, and commitment on your life and in your life in order for you to become a fully devoted person follower of Christ. I believe that the spiritual discipline of us living together in meaningful relationships is just as important as any other of the spiritual disciplines that we could participate in, including reading the word, including prayer, including worship, that the discipline of togetherness, if you will, is just as important as any of those other basic principles of discipleship. Bible scholars would tell you that anytime a word is first mentioned in the Bible, that you should take note of that. Understand the context of it. Understand why it's being said at that point. Any time a word is first used to look at it, well, the very first time that the word alone is used in the word of God, this is what it says in Genesis 2.18. It is not good for man to be alone. And every wife in the house should say amen to that because we're hopeless. But it's not just talking about spouses. This is not just talking about your marriage and this is not just talking about your family. This is talking about the body of Christ. Every part working together. So before prayer was mentioned, Before the word of God was mentioned, before worship was mentioned, God said, it's not good for us to be alone. But I've had conversations with people, it's like, man, I come to church and I read the Bible and I've got God and I'm good, that's really all I need. Okay, well, I want you to consider something. Adam is walking with God in the garden. Adam is walking with the creator of the universe around in the garden, naming animals and whatnot. Hippopotamus. I'm sure God was like, okay. okay." But obviously Adam hit his creative lid because he finished with things like blackbird. Blackbird. I think right around that time was when God said it is not good for this dude to be alone Like he, <laughs> if the creator of the universe walking with Adam said it's still not good for Adam to be alone I'm sorry but your devotional time and your personal time may be good but it wasn't that good I mean, Adam is walking with God, and yet he still says, it's not good to be alone. We need people around in our lives. Just like there's promises to those who seek God in prayer and in the word and in worship, there are promises to those that commit themselves to the discipline of togetherness, of relationship, of being connected to people around you. Here are a couple of my favorites. In Matthew 18, 19, it says, Again I assure you that if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, then my Father who is in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. James 5:16, make this your common practice. Like, this should be something that's happening all all the time, day in and day out. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Throughout the Word, there's promises through relationship of His presence, of His purpose, of His power, of answered prayer, of healing, that manifests itself through relationships with people committing to being together. There's biblical examples too, if you're not convinced yet, these major leaders, men and women of God, that did not live life alone. They had people around them. Moses was named one of the greatest leaders that ever lived. And he had a friend named Jethro that came alongside him and said, don't try to lead alone. Let's get some people around you that can help you live life. David was called a man after God's own heart, like we already talked about. A man after God's own heart. Man, you don't get much higher of a compliment than that, to be after God's heart. But here's the thing. David didn't live life alone. David had his mighty men. He had guys like Benaiah that stood back to back with him in a barley field and fought off the enemy. David had people around him. Let's go New Testament. Jesus, the son of God, had disciples. More specifically, he had three close friends that were around him, that lived life with him. Jesus. Paul had Timothy and other people that helped him plant churches that still are impacting the world today. But here's the thing. If those men would not have had the spiritual discipline of relationships and togetherness in their life, I think history would have looked differently. I don't think we would have seen things play out the same way that we did. They needed people around them to encourage them. But here's the deal, even though you're sitting there like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You can understand what I'm saying and you may even feel like, yeah, I need to do that. The problem is so often we live in a society that says we're just too busy to do anything about it. We're just too busy. We live a life of crowded isolation because our schedules and our to-do list and our families and all the activities and all those things We wind up living lost in a digital world of text messages and social media without any real relational connection. We are the most connected generation that has ever lived on the planet, but we are the most isolated spiritually and emotionally of any generation that's ever lived because we are not together with people. We aren't building genuine relationships A study discovered that an average person checks their phone 85 times a day. Five hours or more of the day surfing the web or on social media or on different apps. A third of your day, essentially every day, living completely in a virtual world, not connected in a relational world with people. We have to be open. Look, a lot of people they would say, "Look, I'm willing." I, I, we're inviting you as a body of Christ to find your place, to, to find a life that is fulfilling, to find your place in relationship with other people. But at the end of the day, we have to be willing to take the steps, to make the sacrifices, to make it a reality. What's really most important? What has God really asked us to do? Why is it so important? Man, there's a lot of scripture we could go to. This one's pretty punchy, but I think it's a great exhortation of why we need relationships around us. In Matthew seven thirteen, it says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. and Its gates are wide for... The many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. (laughs) Well, here's the deal. If, If the road is narrow, it's difficult to find. Man, I want to surround myself with people that are walking on the same road in the right direction. I've got to have some people around me. I want to share a philosophy that I learned back when I was in Bible school. Of, of what it can look like, the, the kind of the model of of the types of people y'all want to have around me. We'll call it ahead, beside, and behind. Ahead, beside, and behind. What does that mean when you're thinking about the narrow road described here? It's important to answer these questions. I think first of all, do I have leaders in my life that are lighting the way? Do I have leaders in my life that are in front of me, that are lighting the way? Do I have friends next to me keeping me from running myself into a ditch, and do I have people behind me that I'm leading, people that kind of bump me when I start to slow down and forget why I'm doing what I'm doing, people that encourage me that I need to stay on the right road because they're following me, and I want them to stay on the right road too. Do we have these people around our lives So I think it's important. I want to challenge you. Answer these questions. Do you have leaders ahead of you? Do you have leaders ahead of you? Look, the the word of God is full of reminders that we need leaders around us to guide us, to help us make wise decisions, to cover us, to protect us, so we don't get off track. I'm so thankful for the leaders and the pastors that God has surrounded us here with as a body of believers. I want to introduce them real quick. I'll, first of all, the Smiths, Judd and Debson, if you guys stand up, these are our life group pastors, guys. I'm so thankful for them, for their example, the way they live life. Also, if, if you're a coach in the room, our coaches, if you guys could stand up as well, any of the coaches in the room. These are people that are leading the leaders of these life groups. So thankful for our coaches. Thank you guys. God has given us some incredible leaders around us. Now one point or another, you wanna be in a place where you have someone that can help you just make wise decisions. I don't know about you, but I don't always know what to do. I don't always know what to do. And I need to call somebody and ask somebody on any one of a bunch of different subjects. Like, hey, what would you do in this situation with this case? Leaders provide wisdom and direction. You've got to have some big decisions in your life, bigger than should we put pineapple on the pizza or no. The answer is No. You don't do that. Or or what kind of ice cream am I going to pick? Chocolate, vanilla, swirl. Chocolate fans, where you at? Okay, vanilla. Passionate, yeah. Swirl, come on, a little bit of both worlds. Partiers up in the house, all right. But we're not talking about those decisions. We're We're talking about the times when you're, you're looking at a big decision in life that has to do with a relationship or your work or something financial or something. You're gonna need somebody that's helping you walk through those things. And so often we make decisions about those things without even considering someone that might be just a little bit further ahead of us in life that could help us. This is what it says when we don't have that. In Proverbs 15, says, plans fail for no counsel. But with many counselors, we succeed. If you want to have true success in your life, I promise you this, you're going to have to have somebody. You're going to have to have someone around your life, some trusted leaders, some counselors in your life that can help you make decisions. Over the years in ministry, especially working around college ministry, we would have these young men and women that would just find themselves in a constant place of drama and emotional turmoil because they could not pick the right person to date. They're just always in and out of relationships. And so we counsel them just like, how many of you guys have that friend that maybe they're in the dating scene and you wish to God that they would have just asked you before they started dating the next person they dated? You're just like, oh, if they would have asked me, I would have told them this was not going to work out. We've gotten that way so many different times. Like we get to a place where just like, I'll tell you what, you do not have the ability to make decisions about this anymore on your own. You want to date someone else? You come ask Cody and I. We'll tell you if they're the right person to date or not. <laughs> now I'm joking, but I'm not because there's been a couple of them that made the decision. It's like, okay. We're like, really? You're going to do that? They're just that desperate. Like I'm tired of being heartbroken. And I will say that the couple of people that have done that, where they just said, hey, I, I'm thinking about this person, I don't know, I might get in a relationship with them. What do you think? And there's been some awkward conversations. It was like, what are you thinking? Don't even like you stay away from them, don't go near them. This is not gonna work out good for you at all. But then eventually, when they came to us and we said, you know what? We have a piece about that. Like, it seems like that could be a God thing. And some of those people are married today. And they have strong marriages with strong families. And I'm not saying it's because I'm like, a, I'm like the matchmaker, you know. I, I, I. But there's wisdom in counsel. There's wisdom in getting outside of your own perspective and your own mindset and asking someone objectively, I don't want to speak to that. When it comes to some of you say, well, I have my wife or I have my husband and I have my kids and I have my family and I don't need anyone else. There's this verse in Corinthians when Paul is talking to the church in Corinth and to the specific group of people that felt like that way. They felt like, man, we've got everything we need just with us. And this is what it says. It said, comparing themselves in and of themselves, they were found without wisdom. You may have a very wise spouse and I'm glad that you have a strong family. But guess what? At one point or another, you're going to be jaded. It's going to be difficult for you to be objective and have clear perspective if you're not asking somebody even outside of that sphere of influence about the decisions that you're making. We need these people leading around us. There's people here. There's leaders that want to help right here around you. And it may be literally laying down your right to make certain decisions in your life, but it's at least seeking out counsel. It's at least finding somebody that you can see, man, they're doing this well, that you've got an example to look to. It says in Hebrews thirteen seven, remember your leaders who spoke God's word to you. Imitate their faith as you consider the way their lives turned out. It's hard to imitate and honor people if you don't, have real relationship with them. If you're not close enough to them to have the kinds of relationships, it's hard for any leader to give you counsel, to give you wisdom, if they don't have any kind of context of relationship with you. You have to pursue it. Make the decision to put yourself around these people. In my life, I have done that over and over and over again. I look for people that I can see man, they're doing life well. And it may be they're doing finances well or they're doing marriage well or they're doing raising kids well, whatever it is, but they're doing it well. One of the reasons why Cody and I were so drawn to come and serve the vision of New Life Church here in Arkansas is because we could see from the very beginning the kind of example that Rick Bazette and Michelle Bazette had. With the way they loved each other, the way they prioritized their family. They have four kids, we have four kids We look to them all the time. And Harry and Sherilyn Bates and Bobby Hamilton, we look to these people all the time. But here's the thing, we pursue them. We put ourselves around them. We say, look, we need you guys. We ask questions all the time of how to do things. And not just around ministry, but around life. Around relationships. Do you have friends beside you? That's another question asked. Do you have friends besides you? Do you have friends that like really know you? That you can't hide any kind of lie from because they know you that well. They can tell when you walk in the room if something's off, they're going to know it. And they're going to love you enough to challenge you with it. Look, friends, they provide protection. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their hard work. If either should fall, one can pick the other. But how miserable are those who fall and don't have a companion to help them up? Also, if two lie down together, they can stay warm. But how can anyone stay warm alone? Now, do not use that as permission Listen, there is a right way to do relationships with the opposite sex. It is in the covenant of marriage and nowhere else. You need to understand that. I don't care what culture says. I don't care if you think that living together is somehow helping you prepare for marriage. No, it's not biblical. You're establishing unhealthy spiritual, mental, emotional bonds, physical bonds that you don't want. I'd encourage you, if you're in that place, just get it right with God. The covenant of marriage is sacred. It is between one man and one woman. If you want God's blessing on your life, I encourage you, get it right. Don't look in the past. Don't worry about it. Just get it right. I want God's blessing on your relationships. But at the end of the day, it stinks to be cold and not have someone close enough to you that can help bring some warmth into your life. Also, one can be overpowered, but two together can put up resistance. A three-ply cord doesn't easily snap. Because sometimes you're going to feel overpowered by life. and There is not a demon under every rock. Do not give too much credit to the devil, but he will use anything that he can in your life. He may not have caused it, but he sure wants to use it. And you're going to come to a point in your life when you're broken. And I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've sat across from people who are facing divorce, or got a terrible medical report for themselves or a child, or they have a rebellious wayward kid that they're broken for and they're not sure what to do. And the saddest thing about the whole situation is they don't have one friend that they can be honest about it with. They don't have anybody that can come around them and support them and encourage them. When they fell, when they stumbled, that they can take their deepest, darkest sins to and not be judged, but be encouraged and challenged and held accountable to the truth of who they are according to God's word. We have to have friends like that. Look, all of nature has figured this out. Fish have schools. Elk have herds. Geese have gaggles. (laughs) At one point or another, you're going to need some people around you. When you're vulnerable, when you're under attack, there's this great video, I think, that demonstrates this so well. This water buffalo being attacked. Let's watch what happens. The enemy is going to come after you Come after your kids And you're going to be outnumbered Here comes the life group baby (laughs) 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 Yeah Okay, fighting. Unbelievable. I tell you what, I, I, when I first watched, I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I started thinking about people. And I started thinking about when the, the kid was in the car wreck. And they found out they had cancer. And you could see the attack of the enemy coming at them. And then their life group, or their serve group, showed up and ran the enemy into the ground and said, Hands off, these are our friends. We need those kinds of encouragements. We need those kinds of friends. There's been so many times in my life when I've had friends around me in those desperate times. One time, Cody and I made this stupid decision to remodel a house. If you're ever considering it, I just encourage you not to because, oh, and I was gonna do the work myself. Dumb. And I remember at one point I was sitting around one of my small groups, one of my life groups. It's, my, it's the campus pastors. It's Pastor Rick. It's, look, they're not, just, they're not just my peers. They're not just the people, the pastor to the campuses. They know my life. They know my biggest struggles. And I remember just coming in like, guys, I am done. Like, I'm broken. The day before, I was like in fetal position, weeping on the kitchen floor just because I was so burned out and stressed out. And that afternoon, they rallied around. They came and laid tile. They're not great at it, but I was thankful. And (laughs) they came and painted walls. They just came and helped lift the burden. you got to have friends like that around you. When we start having kids, oh, Lord, so many of them. (laughs) And we're just like, it's a, we made a human, uh, Now what? (laughs) Like what do you do? (laughs) And people showed up help and food and advice and, and Cody was diagnosed with skin cancer and people rallied around us at the hospital and just made sure we were taken care of, made sure we and stood in the gap in prayer until she was healed. We need friends like this around us. Proverbs 17, 7. Friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. These are the types of people, we don't have to tell them what the weather is like in our life because they're holding the umbrella with us. They're just, yeah, I I know what's going on. I get it. Sometimes you're going to need people around your life that are just that peer because i know some of you when you meet with pastors you alter your stories like the knockdown drag out cuss out fight that you had with your spouse now becomes a discussion <laughs> my wife and i were having a discussion i'm like right cussing hitting punching <laughs> biting hair pulling what else You're going to have to have people around you, and you're just like, I'm about to kill her. (laughs) Talk me off the ledge. That you can just be real with. Friends provide fun. There's people you can enjoy. There's times when something cool happens in your life, but it's only cool because there was somebody there to see it with you. You know, like that one time you hit that amazing shot at the 35 and older basketball club that made you convinced that you could somehow still make the NBA? <laughs> when things like that happen. It's only cool because there was somebody there to see it. Some of my f- favorite stories, Pastor Harry tells a story of this one time he hit a hole in one, but he was by himself. Interesting thing is, Pastor Rick has a similar story. Interesting how these guys keep hitting these shots when no one's around. But anyway, we'll keep We'll continue. <laughs> And for the sake of the story, he hit a hole in one, okay. But as he tells the story, he hit it, and he's turning around like, "Ah, there's no one here to give a high five to. Man, I tell you what, I'm never going to play golf alone. (laughs) Because doggone it, I'm going to hit a hole in one, and somebody's going to see it. And if I won't play golf with you, it's because I question your integrity. I want people to believe that I did it. Like, when you tell them, like, oh, well, if he says, it must have happened. you got to have people around you. Also, am I leading people behind me? Another important question. Am I leading people behind me? When you're walking that narrow path, it can be easy to get tired To lose motivation, you have a tendency to start falling away from the pack. One of the things that has saved me so many times is looking over my shoulder and remembering, oh, I I can't give up. I can't quit. Because they're following me. I need to keep setting that example. I need to keep holding the line of integrity. It's having people around you that you're leading. When you have kids, man, this is prevalent. You realize the importance of leadership. The example that you set. Because how many of you know, your kids are gonna mimic you. Your kids, like, you know, when I'm driving down the road and I'm waving at one of you, you don't see me, and your kid flips me off from the back seat. I'm like, well, who they learn that from? <laughs> Not saying that happened specifically. I'll point them out right now if you'd like. <laughs> the kids mimic you, our kids mimic us. Grayson was trying to mimic Cody one time. This is how it turned out. <laughs> this is how you put on liquid eyeliner. There are two major mistakes in this picture the eyeliner and that shirt. That are two major mistakes. And I don't know who she's mimicking by wearing that shirt, but it must be one of you people because we don't allow that trash in our house. But since we got the makeup on it, we got to throw it away. So it fixed the whole situation. We wound up being all right. A few days ago, this is a new problem. Our son Corbin, man, he's such a sensitive kid. Like, but he went to, he, he said, mommy, come here. I want to give you a hug and kiss. And I was like, oh, you know, it's so awesome. But as she leans in to kiss him, he puts her hands out to hold her face, closes his eyes and opens his mouth. And She's like, buddy, uh... your mouth. He said, mommy, I just want to kiss you like daddy kisses you. I was like, yeah, boy. (laughs) So now we have to make a point that I have to like kiss Cody, close mouth every once in a while. Kids ruin a lot of stuff in life. encourage you with something that has been lost in modern church God has called you to lead every one of you God has called you to lead not just pastors not just life group leaders you God has called you to lead that is a part of the progression of you becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ is to lead. It's to influence someone around you. And I just want to I want I want to help lower your heart rate right now. Because this is the truth about leading. You only have to be one step ahead of the person you're leading. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be some great theologian. You don't, you don't even have to be perfect. All you have to do is be willing and teachable. I want you to think about the disciples. Like Jesus is literally like calling these guys off of boats into the pastoral ship. Like, yeah, you're doing nets and all, I don't even know, but now you're going to come and work with people. Some of them, he was literally calling, calling them out of a place of sin. Tax collectors. He's calling Matthew right out of a place of sin and into a place of building the kingdom of God. I'm not saying we're going to let people that are in sin lead. But when you've repented and you have stepped away from that, we're going to get to a place where you can be one step ahead of the next sinner that needs the example. Do is be willing Jesus called this ragtag group of guys that became the greatest leaders for the gospel that the world has ever seen you don't have to have it completely figured out I mean, you can know this when you lead people, the people that are following you, they provide calling they provide a blessing too it's right there in the Great Commission in Matthew twenty-eight sixteen. It says, Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you, go out and train everyone you meet, lead everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Spirit, then instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. If you'll do that, I will be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. When you're leading people, when you understand that part of what you do is not just becoming a disciple, but it's making disciples. When you live that way, there's a promise that Jesus is gonna be with you. He's gonna help you. He's gonna walk with you through that process. I don't know how I could possibly encourage you. I certainly would never want to manipulate you. I'm certainly not trying to create an emotional response. But I am telling you this this is an act of obedience. This is an act of relationship and intimacy with your heavenly father. Relationships are the greatest manifestation of God's power in our life. The progression is someone leads you. You have people to walk with you and then you find someone to lead. It is in that that you find life, fullness of life. It's a good place to be. And I believe that it's God's plan and will for our church. We are gonna grow bigger because souls matter and we're gonna get every lost person we possibly can, but that is only half of the commission. The second part is disciple them. We have got to be a full commission church. I will do my part, but I need you to do yours. Every person in our church needs these kinds of relationships. I don't care who you are. You need these kinds of relationships. Pray and let the Holy Spirit lead you what it means for you. Will you do that for me? If you believe that, let's give the Lord a hand. If you're thankful for the body of Christ relationship. There's a call on your life. Let's close your eyes. I wanna pray for you this morning most important relationship you can have starts with you and Jesus. Some of you, you get really good at faking things and it's just not what God's called you to. He never called you to, to fake things. Some of you, you, you understand the labels. You understand the right things to say. You know all the denominational labels you could call yourself say you go to church, you can, that at the end of the day, you will know in your gut if you have a real relationship with Jesus. You will have a confidence of his grace, his love, his forgiveness of your sins. And I'm just telling you that every meaningful relationship that you will ever have in your life will be from the overflow of that relationship first. It starts with you knowing who you are as his son or daughter, having a confidence of that in your life. And if you're here today and you don't have confidence in that, I wanna give you a chance to respond to him, to have a conversation with him. Or maybe you had that at one point, but you're at a place now where you feel lost. You feel separated from him Maybe you're dealing with shame or condemnation, things that are not from God, and and that's what keeps you away from him. Right now, I want you to know that he loves you. He's just waiting on you to come back, and he wants you to rededicate your life to him. If you're in either one of those places, I promise you this is not gonna be embarrassing, but I want you to be bold enough to just admit to him with a physical act of surrender. Surrender. If that's you, would you please just raise your hand. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Anyone in this room, you've got to get it right with Jesus. Got it. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? i just got to get right. I, think, I see you back there. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes, back there in the back. Yes, sir. Yes, got it. Anybody else? I just need to get right with Jesus today. I need that relationship. I know I do. And I don't have it right now. I need it. Anybody else? Okay. Thanks, man. God's going to honor. Anybody else? Let's just be honest. your hand. Maybe you couldn't. I don't know why, but I, I, I can understand some of the reasons. God wants your heart. And he's here to meet with you. So I just want everybody to repeat this prayer, just because we have, might be somebody around you that needs to say this prayer, maybe for the first time. Everybody repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus to die for me, for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. Change me. I repent, Father. I don't wanna live for myself. I don't wanna live for the world. I wanna live according to your will. Lead me by your Holy Spirit me with your word, connect me in relationship. I want to live for you for the rest of my life. Give me a new life right now in you. Father God, I thank you for every person that just prayed that prayer. And for all of us, Father God, let us not become weary and well doing as we seek you in your word, as we seek you in conversation through prayers, as we worship you, God, let us not give up on togetherness, on relationships, and being connected to the body of Christ. We know it's in that place that we find true fulfillment in you. It's also in that place that others can experience fulfillment as we're obedient to you in those relationships for your name, for your glory, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand today. If you're thankful for his word.